Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. All right, so this is a part of our gathering where we have conversation time. So you can break out into some small groups. You can click the Zoom conversation time button in uh, the live stream. So break out into groups and answer this question, which is, what does healing mean to you? Enjoy. Well, I hope you all had some good conversations. Maybe you met some cool people. Maybe you met a cutie and you did get that number. Or you did get that Instagram handle. Shout out to you because um, I know y'all are looking because you asked me to look out for you. Um, I won't name names, but you know who you are. <laughs> I'm done with myself. Um, I feel very, very uh, gay and anointed this morning. Um, and I believe in... I'm like, yes, Lord. Uh, no, no, no. I like, there's a word that came to my mind. And Paul and Mark's in the back. You showed me this word called gaver. Um, and that is gay favor. So that is a thing. You can ask the Lord for that. That comes down from heaven in many ways. So, yeah. And just one more time, happy Pride Month. Because I just want to keep saying that over and over again. Yes. A word that I want to have a conversation around this morning is healing. And I know there's a lot of baggage with that word, and there's a lot of stuff that comes with that word, because many people in this room, including myself, had an association with that word in a negative light because it had to do with a beautiful part of who I am and trying to heal from that. And there was also a lot of expectation around that word and a lot of unrealistic expectation and kind of weird, to be honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I want to have a conversation around healing and reconstructing that word and uh, really looking at that word, not as like a destination, but as a dance. Seeing that thing as super complex because it is. And also seeing that we need healing um, as a part of what we need. It's not because we're bad or broken. It's just because we're so worthy of living these huge, full lives. And yeah. And that's part of what we're celebrating with pride is that life is worth living. And so if there's anything trying to go against that, maybe give attention to that and release that. So I want to have a conversation around healing and specifically keeping in mind healing is fill in the blank. So, you know, let's get into it this morning because we're casually going to get into Jesus healing a demon-possessed man. So this man is serving us real demon realness. Um, so 10, 10, 10. 10. Um, we're going to be in Mark 5. <laughs> yes. I mean, little Naz was trying to show us something, I think. So <laughs> y'all can get me in trouble. Okay. Mark 5. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of Gerasenes. And when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. 
And that's quite the image as we open up to a man who has been pushed out to the margins, who's been othered, who's been dehumanized, who's been outcast, who's been demonized. And he's at an extreme low point, understandably so, because the only people that he's around are dead. He's in a burial ground, and he's at this low point. And I can imagine that he's extremely lonely. Yes. And... (laughs) I think we can relate to those moments of being extremely low or loneliness, hello, Miss 2020, that we had those moments where we felt extremely low and maybe maybe just, maybe at some point we were so low that we started entertaining some thoughts around self-harm or maybe we saw ourselves as less than or not enough. Uh, maybe we even physically did something or it was just on our mind. So keep that in mind as we go back into the story. Whatever those chains or shackles that you experience, those low moments of pain or loneliness, keep that in mind. When Jesus was some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus? (laughs) Y'all didn't know I can go that low, okay? I'm a man. I'm a demon-possessed man, not in the story, not in real life. Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit. (laughs) We can't make Jesus, okay. Come out of the man, you evil spirit. (laughs) I wasn't going to do that to Jesus. Um, So I find it so relatable this man, not being demon-possessed, that's for sure. I don't, I don't know that life. But, <laughs> but him saying, don't torture me, that his, that his initial response was, don't torture me. Because how often, and I, I know I entertained this for a good amount of time, where I felt like I was going to piss off God or God was going to be angry or throw down fire if I did X, Y, or Z. And when I did do X, Y, or Z, I felt like God was going to take everything that I could ever want or any dream or anything like that be like, no, you didn't earn it and you didn't deserve it. And then I also realized that is a load of crap and God does not think that. And God isn't pissed off or isn't angry, but I think we can... We can relate to this man in those moments where we have seen God as pissed off or as angry or as trying to throw down fire. I think we could relate to that. And I'm also saying that God isn't trying to tell us to go buck wild um, because, you know, we went buck wild for a little bit and it wasn't cute. Um, At least I know I have. Um, And we're like, yeah, this is not sustainable. Um, confess your sins, come to the front. I'm uh, just kidding, don't do that. Uh, but <laughs> we entertain that. I think God is concerned and cares for why we do what we do and the heart of what we do. And I think God wants us to understand our intentions and to look at ourselves with honesty, these honest eyes, not out of a place of trying to judge or shame, but out of a place of curiosity and out of a place of, you know, caring for ourselves, looking at ourselves with these honest eyes. And I think ultimately that that is being honest with God. And when we're honest with God and we can name these drivers and these intentions, 
then we can give names to them. And when we can give names to them, then we can understand them. And then when we understand them, then we can decide what to do and not to do because we name them, we get them, and we're like, do I want this? Does this lead to my greatest good? And beyond that, does that lead to the greatest good for those around me? Because, you know, something can maybe serve us and it's self-centered and maybe that's not the thing to do. So I think it's important to think of our intentions and to name those things. And then this topic of naming, we're about to see Jesus asking for the name of this demon. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the hurting spirit begged him again and again not to send this send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Yum. Send us into, send us into these pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned into the water. So there was a lot of wet meat. Happy pride. That's... I didn't say that. Uh, but <laughs> I'm sorry, vegans and vegetarians, but there was a lot of dead pigs um, in that lake, and that must have been a, that must have been kind of a crazy thing to see. <laughs> 2,000 pigs dead in a lake. And I couldn't imagine the noises that came from that. And I don't even know how to make a pig noise, but the dude, like, <laughs> like going down into, like, the, like, this after, after <laughs> down. I'm sorry if that hurts your ears, but I think it's something like that, but times like a thousand or two thousand. Um, so, <laughs> besides all that craziness and my craziness, I, we see Jesus show up fully present, fully compassionate with this man who's been othered, this man who's been demon-possessed, this man who's been probably not even seen as a human being, and people have treated him like an animal. We see Jesus show up in compassion and love and fully present. Yes. There we're back in the passage. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been demon, who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Quite the nerve of these people that this man had received complete healing, stepped who he truly was, and there was some backlash, and that those who othered him, those who demonized him, those who pushed him out are now afraid of his healing and seeing him as truly as he is. Because, y'all, I mean, I don't know about you, but, yes, my voice is getting high, do that. But <laughs> where you stepped into a beautiful part of who you are, that you healed from some things, 
And then you're met with systems and people and things that try to rob you of experiencing that, that try to make you even doubt yourself, that they have some resistance and some pain. Maybe even they're trying to make fun of you. I don't know, but they make you feel a little bit crazy because you're fully in who you are. And I relate to this man so much because I experienced that. I relate to this man of those moments where I've been push, pushed out or not fully seen as who I am and I was owning this part of me, but there was, I was met with backlash and shame. And I also want to say in this story of what I see is healing is releasing people-pleasing and holding to self-honor because are we going to rob ourselves from fully expressing as we are in order to... Uh, please people's opinions? Are we going to rob the world of the gift of who we are? Are we going to share that with some pride, some celebration, and some self-honor? And I also want to remind you this morning that when people do that, when people are meeting you with resistance or try to shame you, that you're, you're just simply mirroring to them what they're not doing. And not trying to shame them or judge them, but they're afraid to go there within themselves because I know y'all, and I know that you went to the burial grounds of your own lives, and you went there, and you learned something about yourself, and you learned a little bit more about Jesus, and you learned a little bit more about what it means to be a human being, and you walked out of that thing a little bit more connected, a little bit more whole, a little bit more you, and you realize that you didn't come to this world to be small, that you came to this world to make it a little bit better. You came to this world to share the gift of who you are. So don't rob the world of who you are, baby, because you're serving me realness this morning. 10, 10, 10, 10. If y'all don't know what that is, watch Pose. (laughs) Shout out to Pose. Let's get back. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great news Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Mm. The initial response of this man is to go with Jesus, which is completely understandable because he's probably excited. He's probably like filled up and he probably has this tremendous gratitude towards Jesus. But I also think that this man is also scared and there's a little bit of insecurity that's rising up because yes, he experienced what he experienced, but when he has to go back home, and there's questions, and there's people, and maybe, just maybe, where he goes back to where (laughs) those who pushed him to where he was and where Jesus took him out of, that he goes back to those towns. So I think when Jesus says, no, go home and tell them everything that the Lord has done for you, I can only imagine in that moment that this man who received complete healing and was truly who he was that what flashed before his eyes were all the people, all the words, all the places, all the things that pushed him out. That all those comments, that all those hurtful things that were told to him comes up. And I don't think Jesus is trying to play games with this man. 
or try to bring him back to a place where he feels so low. But I think Jesus is trying to show us something. I think that Jesus is trying to show us that forgiveness begins with us. That forgiveness <laughs> starts with releasing us, releasing ourselves of the chains and shackles that we put ourselves in with the help of Jesus. And I think when we can do that, that we can fully go back as we are to the places that hurt us and the people that hurt us with ownership, with a sense of who we are. We don't go back bitter, but we go back better. We don't go back angry, but we go back understanding why they did what they did. Because when we saw that we were operating out of a place of hurt or pain, that we hurt people, so they were probably doing the same thing. And that's not giving or condoning their behavior or their actions, but it is seeing them, seeing Christ in them and also seeing that they're a human being and they're on their own journey as well. And I think we can take those moments as invitations to continue to own with that, that of what we experienced and that we could own that with knowing that they may not be there right now, and that's okay. But I think we also show people something when we have that courage to be who we are, that we give them permission, the permission to be who they are, and they may not be ready right now, but they can look honestly at themselves at whatever point that is. But we shouldn't water down what we experience, and we should own that and embrace that. And I see healing is releasing resentment in holding to forgiveness. Because I think Jesus is showing something to this man, maybe not verbally, but when he goes back to that town and he goes back to that place, he'll see that, he'll see that he wasn't phased but compassionate, that he wasn't phased but he understood something about forgiveness. And I think we need forgiveness in order to truly live these full, vibrant lives, that we need forgiveness in order, uh, within in order to give that to others. And I also want to say that we may not physically have to go to those places and to those people because that could bring some self-harm to us, and that's no bueno. But I do think that we can go with inside ourselves to the areas within us where we have told those stories to ourselves or those things told by that person has been on repeat. I think that we can go to those places and shine some light and exercise some forgiveness so we can truly free ourselves and we can create some space for better things to come in, that we can create some space for, for God to simply blow our mind, where we have those moments where we're like, yo, that could have been nothing but God, that we allow that space. And personally, an area that I had to look in is I had this large need for validation, which was totally understandable. But I also felt like in order to heal, I needed to hold to what God showed me. Because when I was in high school, I was a senior, and your boy was like an ASB, so he's in front of the school and like recording videos, and I played sports. I know I was a jock somewhat. Um, and so, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's where I get this deep voice from. I'm a jock at, at heart. I know to be a man. Um, so <laughs> no, but in, in realness, like, I, I made a lot of people laugh, and it was great. But also at the same time, like, since I was 11, every single day in middle school to getting my high school diploma, I was called, I wasn't even out, and I was called faggot, queer, in a derogatory way, in a really messed up way, and the, thing, the names can go on and on and on, and that was, like, in school, 
social media, be, social media became a thing when I was in high school. So then it went there, and then it was practice and all the things. And it got me to this really low point in my life where I would be happy at school. I can crack some jokes, and then I would go home, and I'd be super depressed and sad. And I knew I couldn't talk about this with my family because I knew what they thought of queer people because I knew I was gay. I knew I was queer, but when I was met with all those names and all those things of people saying things, it really brought me to such a low point that I pushed so much of myself down, and I hit this heavy depression. And I remember that I couldn't take it anymore. And so when my family wasn't home, and it was only me, and I remember going to the garage, Unlocking the door, and as as I was gathering all the things to do the thing to end it, I remember Jesus so clearly saying, "I love you, and I accept all of you. You're not done. There are so many dreams that I haven't that have shown you that you haven't even seen yet. I love you." And I remember being so filled up and crying like Kim Kardashian crying. And I remember being like, wow, that was so healing. But when I started talking about it with church leaders or family, I was met with backlash and I was met with, did God really say that? Can you show me that in the Bible? Uh, can you show me that how that works out men and a man through science, it's clear what God thinks about this. <sighs> Whew, going back there. But um, mm. and I remember when they would ask me, show me that biblically or show me that in in. <laughs> in science and how God could really say that because the Holy Spirit can only remind you of the word of God. And I just remember the Lord being like, trust me, trust me. You, didn't, you don't need to prove or debate who you are and who I made you to be. Trust me. What that, re what that really showed me is that healing is releasing control and holding to faith. And not faith in the, in the way of read more Bible verses and memorize that, those, anoint yourself with oil, slap yourself with palm tree branches or whatever. Y'all, Latinx churches sometimes are wild. I'm... <laughs> It's not that. It's not having all the answers. But faith is maneuvering and walking through the unknown, through the mystery, and allowing surprise. And above all that, allowing God to be God, that we don't need all the answers, that we can exercise surrender, and that we can trust God. That that's faith. That faith is walking out being like, I don't know what the hell's going on right now, but I'm going to trust you, Jesus, You've shown yourself to be true before. You've shown yourself to be faithful. And I'm going to move through this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to trust you. And I think we need faith in order to heal. 
I think we can have all the great therapy and have all the crystals and essential oils and listen to all the podcasts and read all the books and go to all the things. But I think we need Jesus. I think we need Jesus in order to heal because there are parts of us that we, we simply need God to be God, that we can get all the things together and we can make him look all nice and we can do all of that. But I think we need to allow faith and we need to allow God in order to heal. And just how the demon-possessed man was, he didn't have to do anything. That Jesus met him fully present, fully compassionate, with love, that the demon-possessed man didn't have to know more things but simply be as he was, and Jesus healed him. And I think that's the same thing with us. Yes, we got to do the work, but also I think we need to allow Jesus to help us release those chains and shackles that we sometimes put on ourselves. I think we need Jesus in order to truly heal. I think we need Jesus to show us the way to how to be human. And I think as a community, we do a beautiful job of encouraging one another to heal, that we really live into celebration. And I don't think we encourage healing because we're broken or because we're bad. I think we encourage healing because we know how good it feels when you're fully you, when you're fully present, and you're fully connected. And when you're aware that you are a child of God and you can own that, whatever your pronouns are, that you can begin hearing that from the voice of God, that you begin hearing how God speaks to you. And even if your whole external world is saying one thing, that you know that inside you're hearing another thing and that you can hold to that voice of God inside of you. Because we're not gonna rob this world of who we are because who we are is a gift. And who we are needs to be shared, needs to be shouted from the mountains and needs to be celebrated because every single human is worthy of celebration. Every single human is worthy of healing and every single human being is worthy of living life fully themselves, fully healed, fully, fully connected. I'm getting passionate this morning because I don't know how many times people spoke a certain word to me that wasn't true, but I knew God was saying another thing. And I'm tired of people not seeing every single human being as a child. God, I'm exhausted. And that's not the story that I want to tell. That's not the story that I, don't, I want to live into. And then that's not the Jesus that I know and who I follow. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I mean, you brought a church boy here on a Sunday and a gay Mexican church boy at that. So I got <laughs> my first church that I ever went to was Pentecostal. So... I'm just saying, if we need to lay some hands and you need to receive healing in the front, I'm just kidding. I know. I mean, we'll see. We'll see where their spirit leads us. But let's get into some more conversation time. Uh, break out in those same groups. If you're on Zoom, uh, you know what to do. And answer this question, which is, how can you exercise self-forgiveness?
Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.